0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is
1: Believe. Look, I like Bryce Love. In fact, I, I love Bryce Love. But when I look at the 2018 Stanford Cardinal football offense, Bryce Love isn't the key player to me this season. Not a hot take. I don't do those. That is one of the things that we're going to address here on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity. Thanks for joining us here Thursday, August 30th, 2018. TreeCast is here. So is Stanford football. It's time to dive all into it. Can't wait. Thank you so much for uh, being here with us uh, for the TreeCast. I'm in Detroit. Clarity. Uh, Looking forward to bringing you another season inside Stanford football as only this show and if you're new to the program, welcome. So glad that you've decided to uh, come along for the ride with us. If you are a veteran of the TreeCast, hey, welcome back. You know what's in store and uh, you know some of the things that, uh, that we can do uh, together to follow this team. And uh, to have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, looking forward to another fantastic season of Stanford football. Uh, a couple quick notes here uh, for those of you who might not be uh, familiar with me and uh, with the tree cast. Number one, uh, I'm Troy Clarity. Hi, how are you? My 26th season uh, following Stanford football. 26, man, I'm old. <laughs> I've seen a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff, especially over the last 10 years or so, and a lot of disappointment as well. But it's all been a it's all been a fantastic ride. Uh, currently with the Pac-12 Network, just entered my fifth year of doing play-by-play for the Pac-12 Network. Uh, doing soccer, doing lacrosse, doing uh, doing softball, doing baseball, uh, spring football as well. Adding a little field hockey this fall too. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, as well, but I've also uh, followed Stanford in a lot of other uh, capacities, fill uh, in the Sideline Network, uh, in as a sideline reporter for the Stanford Football Radio Network whenever John Platts uh, has hoops duties, uh, so that's always a big-time pleasure to be able to uh, be a part of that, and uh, just a guy who, who loves Stanford football as much as you probably do if you're listening to this show, so uh, thank you for being here um, with us. Uh, we are in a bit of a transitional period. Here on the TreeCast, Uh, we had a uh, platform on the TreeCast uh, for when we did these in the 2015 and the 2017 seasons. Didn't do a TreeCast in 2016, but uh, we are going to do these again here for the 2018 season. Uh, Had that platform, and uh, we have decided to amicably amicably part ways. Uh, Not like Jed York and Jim Harbaugh or anything like that, but we would like to thank... Uh, those folks for uh, being the home of the TreeCast. Uh, so while we look for another home for the TreeCast, you can certainly find th- find it here. Uh, subscribe to the show. Review the show on iTunes. Thanks to those of you who did that in the previous uh, iteration. And uh, keep it going. Keep the word of mouth going, especially now. I uh, would love to get your thoughts. I would love to have your subscriptions. would love to have your reviews of the show. Uh, whether you like the show, great. Tell a world about it. If you don't like the show, great. Tell the world and me about it, too, and let me know what we can do to make this show better, Uh, because that's what we are all about, bringing you Stanford football like nobody else possibly can in this space. So we'll keep you posted. Uh, We have some things in the works as far as finding a new and permanent uh, platform for the TreeCast, and uh, hopefully I make some announcements here on that uh, in the very near future. Stanford football is here. It begins on Friday evening, a 6 p.m. kickoff at Stanford Stadium when the Cardinal host the San Diego State Aztecs. You might remember that last meeting between those two teams last year. Um, Memorable in some respects, not quite so memorable in others. Uh, San Diego State with a 20-17 win over Stanford that day. Stanford spent much of that uh, evening sputtering offensively. And uh, Pac-12 after dark became Pac-12 in the dark after a power outage at uh, – is it still Qualcomm Stadium? I don't know what they're calling that place anymore. It's not a very good stadium anymore down in San Diego. But a power outage there uh, caused a 25-minute delay, shut out the lights to the stadium, and uh, caused uh, Pac-12 After Dark to become Pac-12 in the dark for quite a while. Shout out to John Platt for uh, coming up with that uh, first off. But uh, Stanford takes the field on Friday, and this is the time of year where we have so many questions. And this is also the time of year where we th- I think we have some answers. We think we know. But as Jim Mora, who was then the head coach of New Orleans Saints, said so famously, you think you know, but you just don't know. And he also added on, you never will. Well, I I think we'll definitely know some things about Stanford uh, very, very soon, starting on Friday. But what will we know? And when will we start to know those things? I'm going to go back, and it's always a pleasure to be able to uh, hang out at the uh, Stanford Football Weekly Media Luncheons at the Ariaga Family Sports Center, uh, pick David Shaw's brain, usually pick a couple, couple players' brains um, as well, but uh, scheduling did not permit that this week. But I'm going to play a few things and respond to those things from David Shaw's weekly press conference, which took place on Monday afternoon at Ariaga Family Sports Center. First thing that you're going to hear from David Shaw are his thoughts coming into the season. What does he know now? And when does he think he'll start to know some things about the 2018 edition of Stanford football? Here's David Shaw answering that very thought. It's
2: hard for me to describe how I feel week one because I don't know how many other coaches feel this way. I mean, the entire training camp, you're prepping, you're prepping, you're getting your guys ready, you're pushing them, you're hard on them. Uh, you're trying to set standards of uh, practice, set standards of competition, set standards of how you're going to take care of each other. And then you get to game week, and the preparation, it, it kind of takes care of itself because you're going to do the things that you're good at, but you don't know what's going to happen. So for me now, we're practicing, we're we're on the guys, and the guys are getting ready to go. They're really excited, really fired up. And I'm like, okay, well, about, you know, quarter and a half in, I'll kind of know where we are because uh, I don't know that any questions are going to get answered for me before midpoint second quarter. Um, so I have this feeling of anticipation. At the same time, like, all right, well, let's see what we got. That's
1: David Shaw on when he thinks he'll know some things about this year's team. And, and look, it, it's going to be – it might be a little more difficult to tell what – this Stanford football team is, is, is all about for this opener. Partly, in fact, because of six key players who are not going to play in this game. Two starters and four uh, critical uh, second-line guys. Jesse Burkett, the center. Elijah Holder, more on him in a second. Uh, the cornerback; those guys out with injury. Burkett missed the spring. And then Holder, obviously, with his, uh, with his injury that he suffered that cut his season short last year. Also out for this game, Brandon Simmons, special teams gunner extraordinaire and also not a bad safety and hitter himself. Jordan Perez, inside linebacker, outside linebacker Curtis Robinson and the cornerback Malik Antoine. Those six young men are out. And those six young men in their roles are very key to the fortunes of, of Stanford as a team. So because... The cardinal will not have the services of those six young men this upcoming Friday. It might be a bit more difficult to to tell what this team is one hundred percent all about. We might have some answers. Uh, you you heard David Shaw uh, say that by the middle of the by the middle of the second quarter, rather, um, he'll he'll start to to get more of a feel for how things are going to go. At least certainly for the rest of that day. But but even then, even then. I would caution, I would caution folks, no matter what the result is on Friday night, I, I would caution folks against walking out of the stadium or, or turning off the TV with any huge, grand revelations and critical knee-jerk reactions that are part of the fun of week one of college football. But still, I, I, I'd caution you against that. Uh, when it comes to the Stanford squad, unless Stanford goes out there and just lays an absolute egg, then there might be some legitimate cause for concern, but I I, I would caution against either getting too high or getting too low on Stanford uh, and, and, and assigning how things could go for their team for the rest of the season just based on what happens in this one game. It's the start. It's not the finish. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And what we see on Friday night is going to be far, far from the finished product. If Stanford goes out there and fires in all cylinders, awesome. I'll take it. Great. Hopefully it means good things for Stanford going forward. And hopefully it means that they are going to uh, play as well, if not better, because they will certainly need to. You You seen that September schedule? It's not easy for Stanford. So if Stanford goes out against the Aztecs and plays like gangbusters, great. If they struggle but still win, okay. As long as they win. <laughs> I'm not gonna have not gonna have too many complaints about that. But when will we know what we know? We'll know what we know when we know. Does that make sense? I hope so. But I I, I wouldn't you know, I mean, Shaw thinks he'll have a a firmer grasp on on things by the middle of the second quarter. I'm I'm not even gonna assign that timetable on it for me personally. But we'll know what we know when we know. But we think we know, but we don't know. You know. I do know that, and I, I know Elijah Holder was was looking forward big time to be playing, um, in this game. In fact. Uh, Elijah Holder. It was my pleasure uh, to catch up with Elijah. Part of my duties as uh, the play-by-play announcer for the Stanford football spring game on the Pac-12 network. Uh, last April, we, they ran a bunch of players. They stuck them on headsets, and we actually uh, actually chatted with them while the spring game was going. And, of course, Elijah talked about the prospect of playing in this very game. I'm from San Diego. I mean,
2: even though I won't be playing against my brother, I'll still be playing against my friends from back home, especially, you know, his own friends. The thing about being a twin is if you know one of us, then you know both of us. This is kind of the thing. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun playing against those guys. Uh, uh, definitely see some faces. Uh, Christian Chapman. This is going to be a shout out to you. I'll be looking forward to getting the ball. Maybe one, maybe two. Uh, but it's going to be a good one. It's going to be fun.
1: Yeah, that was Elijah Holder during the spring game with uh, myself and Evan Moore on the Pac-12 Network uh, last year, and it was fun. That was a that was a nice little subplot to last year's game. Uh, Elijah and his brother, twin brothers, squaring off against each other directly. Uh, his brother Micah, a wide receiver. Elijah, of course, a cornerback. And they had they had some one-on-one battles during the course of that game. And it was a fun subplot that week. Uh, we had Angela Holder, uh, uh, Elijah's mom, on the TreeCast uh, that week to help uh, preview things uh, from that perspective. So that was a lot of fun. And uh, Elijah was so looking forward uh, to playing in this game. But that will not happen. He's close. He's close. And he really wanted to play in this game. But... Apparently he did, he knew that he wasn't going to be quite ready to go at the level that he wanted to go and apparently he didn't even he didn't even really press the issue um when when it when the training staff uh kind of gave the thumbs down on it apparently he was uh, disappointed to be sure but um uh just kind of accepted that and he'll get ready for the remainder of the season whenever that begins for him hopefully next week against USC so Again, we will know what we know when we know it. What did we learn last year, however, from San Diego State? As mentioned, the 20-17 to loss uh, for Stanford against the Aztecs down there. Look, San Diego State, I, I still think a lot of people overlook that program. A lot of people outside of the West Coast just don't know about what that program is all about and what it's accomplished over the past few years. That's, they play some good football down there. They've turned out some very, very good players. They won't have Rashard Penny this year. Thank goodness for that. From a Stanford perspective, loved watching that young man play, by the way. But that's a, they, they play outstandingly sound and brutally physical football. Sounds like another team that David Shaw can think of. Some of Shaw's thoughts on San Diego State this year and some of his takeaways from last year's meeting with the Aztecs.
2: Well, without getting into specifics, um, the the mode of play is really complementary between the two of us. And when you have two teams that have a very similar mode, it ends up being the team that makes the fewest mistakes wins. And that's a lot of what happened last year. Um, They were presented with some very difficult situations and they made plays to get themselves out. Um, we gave up a couple sacks. Their quarterback avoided a couple sacks. He made some big-time throws. We missed a couple throws. Um, both running backs made big-time runs. Uh, both defenses were, were stout. Um, you know, their, their defense held when they needed to, and our defense didn't hold when we needed to. Um, so when you look at the game, you see two teams that are fighting hard and playing really, playing really well, really good football. Um, but, you know, whoever blinks, whoever misses an assignment, whoever loses contain, whoever drops coverage – um, you know, whoever misses a throw instead of making a throw, whoever makes a catch uh, and instead of not making a catch, those are the things that, that, that change. And um, I do think this team is consistently overrated. I think that they're consistently overlooked when you watch them play. This is a tough physical team that plays well every single year. So, you know, why they're not ranked higher, I, I have no idea.
1: That's David Shaw, and he obviously misspoke when he called San Diego State uh, overrated. He so he meant to say uh, underrated or overlooked or or the, the correct combination of the two. Um, I'm, I'm, so before anyone tries to take that quote and make it go viral and put it on the bulletin board or anything like that, uh, no, that you, you, Shaw clearly misspoke. It's unfortunate I have to make that qualification in this day and age, but, hey, that's, that's the – it's a social media going viral world that we live in right now. But Shaw's 100%, I, I think, spot on in his assessment of what San Diego State's all about this year and some of the lessons learned uh, from, from last year. Similar MOs for both teams, and, and that will place a premium on execution because both teams like to hog the ball, shorten the, shorten the game. Now, that might change a little bit for Stanford. We'll get to that in a bit. But when, when, when Stanford is performing most on brand, that's what they do. They limit possessions. And unfortunately, the Cardinal had the clocks to had the tables turned against them in that fashion last year. Do you realize Stanford took only 43 snaps against San Diego State last year? 43 snaps. That's it. That's all they took last year for an entire game. In a day and age where it's not uncommon to see teams take 43 snaps before halftime, to see Stanford only snap the ball 43 times against San Diego State is amazing. It also cannot happen again this year. It can't. Now, I feel much better about Stanford offensively this year against San Diego State than I did last year against San Diego State The offensive line seems to be a lot more stabilized, a lot more stabilized coming into into this year's matchup. I feel quite honestly much better about the quarterback as well. All those things being said, don't underestimate that San Diego State defense. They are tough. They are active. They give opposing offenses fits. It's the trademark, actually, of San Diego State football. That defense is no joke. Learned that last year. Saw that for ourselves as Stanford fans and followers last year. But I feel much better about Stanford offensively this time around coming in uh, to this year's matchup against the Aztecs. And I'm certain, I'm certain that Stanford will not snap the ball only 43 times during the course of the game. If that happens again, I'll leave the United States for 30 days. Going over some of David Shaw's thoughts uh, heading into week one. Game week is here. Kind of snuck up on me, too, against uh, San Diego State when it's a 6 o'clock kickoff on Friday evening against Stanford. Thanks for joining us here on the TreeCast. Troy Clarity uh, hosting this one and all TreeCasts. This is my show. I can do what I want. Going over some of David Shaw's thoughts here and getting to what I think leads to the most intriguing player to watch for me offensively for Stanford if not the key player for Stanford, offensively. It's not Bryce Love. Shocking as it might be to think, yes, I know Bryce Love ran for over 2,100 yards last year. He is certainly still the best player on the Stanford team. And I can't wait to see what he does this year. But to me, he's not the key. This young man, to me, is the key for the Stanford offense this year. To the end zone, Weddington, touchdown. Weddington slides around Malik Antoine, makes the adjustment, and the nifty grab. The play-by-play call from yours truly on the Pac-12 network from the Stanford football spring game. That's right, Connor Weddington, to me, he's the key. The key player for the Stanford offense. What is Connor Weddington's role in this year's offense from David Shaw's perspective?
2: Let's listen to our coaches thought. Connor's a very versatile athlete. Um, he's another guy you just love to get the ball in his hands. Uh, he's become a much better route runner than he was a year, a year ago as a true freshman. Um, he's in the depth uh, at all the return positions. Um, you know, uh, at some point, maybe not this game, but some point down the road, we'll do what we did a couple times last year. We'll put him in the backfield for a role. So this is a guy that can do a lot of different things. What we focus with him on is, is continuing to improve as a wide receiver. Um, he's a better route runner. Um, he's good after the catch. Uh, he's a good physical blocker as well. So he's a guy that we're we we going to have a plan for um, every single week as he continues to develop as what we think at some point that he's going to be an exceptional college football player.
1: That's David Shaw. And I cannot wait to see what Connor Wedding can, Weddington can do this year. He's the key. Here's why talking to david shaw over the spring and i i you you could find statistics to say anything you want in this day and age and it doesn't apply to just football but sometimes you see a number that that that, that tells you a bit of the story and seems a bit more um applicable than others pro football focus which also focuses on college football too Throughout a stat, they didn't throw it out. I'm sure they crunched it up. But 72% of K.J. Costello's passing yards last season came specifically through the air. That is to say that only 28% of K.J. Costello's passing yardage came on run after the catch. 28%. That's pretty darn low. And when you think about it, it makes sense because it basically seems like just about every throw uh, that was to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside or Trenton Irwin pretty much was caught and then tackled right at the spot. Not much run after the catch last year. And I asked David Shaw back in the spring for his thoughts on run after the catch and how important it will be in 2018 to help make this offense more explosive. And he asked me if I had been bugging the Stanford staff uh, meetings the previous week because that is exactly what they had been covering, trying to figure out ways to get more run after the catch, to be more explosive from that standpoint, to try to find ways to, you know, get into the end zone beyond just the fades and the jump balls that we've become used to, especially in the red zone and on two-point conversion plays. And that's where a young man like Connor Weddington comes in. We saw some hints of it last year. Shaw talked about that. He even saw him in the backfield at some occasions last year. But this year, I, I think they're going to really rip the lid off of what Weddington can do this year. And if Weddington can develop and emerge into a bona fide run after catch threat, add him to an offense that already features Bryce Love and an offense that already has two pretty short pass-catching target, targets in our Sega Whiteside and Trenton Irwin and some tight ends who are really coming into their own. Caden Smith, my God. Ooh. Kobe Parkinson's in the mix. There are going to be a lot of weapons for the Stanford offense. But they all need to do their roles, and they all need to diversify and do their best to make sure that, that that Stanford offensively is more than just KJ Costello throwing up jump balls and Bryce Love cracking into the line of scrimmage, hoping to burst through and pop open for a 60-yard run, which he did more often than not. Can Stanford add the explosive attack to its passing game that... And has been missing for quite a while now. That's where Connor Weddington comes in. And that, to me, is why he is the key player for Stanford football offensively. If Stanford wants to take their offense to a new level in 2018, beyond the things that they've shown, they've shown some good things, obviously, but but they need to take it to another level. I think we can all agree on that. Weddington's going to be the key. How will Tavita Pritchard, the new Andrew Luck director of offense, also known as the offensive coordinator, how how will he respond to all this? How will David Shaw respond to all this? I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I went to one of the open practices for Stanford football a couple weeks ago, and they had one formation with K.J. Costello in the backfield by himself in the shotgun, and they had Bryce Love split out wide to the left, and Connor Weddington split out wide to the right. And I immediately arched my eyebrows and said, ooh, I like this. Because Bryce Love's certainly a young man who we know he can do as a runner. Can he do more as a pass receiver? We, we've seen, was that his first touch ever in a Stanford uniform? 93 yards on a screen pass against uh, UCF a couple years ago? That went for a touchdown. So certainly Bryce Love can do some things as a pass catcher. We haven't really seen it the last couple of years. Maybe it's time to—I'm sure it's time—and I know the coaches have talked about this as well—to focus him, uh, to 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 feature him uh, in, in those areas as well, because NFL teams are going to be looking to see if he can catch the rock and what he can do in space as well. So Bryce Love and his development in the passing game, but Connor Weddington and his ascension in the passing game. I think those are going to be, and Weddington in particular, I I think that's going to be the key story for Stanford offensively this year. One more thing from the David Shaw Press Conference uh, that I want to play for you. Um, It is that time of year again. Can't wait to dive into it. And people up and down the conference have all sorts of thoughts about where things are going to go in the Pac-12. Which leads me to the question I had for David Shaw at his weekly press conference earlier this week. Any initial read on the Pac-12, how things might shape out, uh, how, what, what Stanford's role might be?
2: Not a doggone clue. <laughs> uh, to, to say it's wide open is an underestimation. Um, there's, there, there's a lot of talent, new coaches with different schemes, and you don't know who's got the players to fit their schemes, and who's going to change their scheme to fit their players, um, you know, uh, there's no telling what could happen down at UCLA. I have so much confidence in Chip Kelly that if he doesn't have the guys to run his scheme, he's going to tweak his scheme to get the best out of his guys. And I can say the same thing about Herm Edwards. I can say the same thing down at Arizona with Kevin Sumlin. Um, you know, uh, new new boss up at Oregon. But with a healthy quarterback, that, that team just became really, really dangerous. That quarterback can play every single game. Um, he makes all those other guys even better, and they have great athletes. Um, and everybody counts out Washington State every single year. They just throw in another quarterback who's going to throw for 5,000 yards, and you know, they just keep going. So um, this thing is wide open, and um, who knows how it's going to go.
1: Yeah, who, who knows how it's going to go? <laughs> Once again, we think we know, but we just don't know. But Here's how I see it shaping out. Starting in the north, because that's where Stanford is. Um, It would not surprise me to see Washington win the north. It would not surprise me to see Stanford win the north. Uh, I I think those are the top two teams in the division at this point. I'm not quite buying the hype on Oregon for some reason. Uh, there, There just seems to be something missing to me, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is. Maybe it's the fact that Oregon... Kind of had a disastrous ending to their season last year in the bowl game, and and, and Mario Cristobal just, it just, just, it just didn't go well for the Ducks last year in their bowl game, and maybe that's what's maybe that's what's sticking to my craw a bit. I, I don't know. I, I just there just seems to be something missing to me in Oregon right now. It ain't the quarterback. Herbert could be very, very good. I'm just not sure and convinced that there is enough around him. And I, I just need to see how, how that scheme is going to go because it's a different scheme than the, than the one they ran last year. Uh, Marcus Arroyo, the new uh, Oregon offensive coordinator, former San Jose State quarterback, right, if I'm remembering correctly? I think I remember him running around for the Spartans back in the day. But I, it's all about Oregon. I, I just don't know yet. I just don't know. I need to see it. So that's why I actually have Cal number three in the north right now. Cal can tackle. I feel good about them defensively. And if you can play defense, that can take you some ways in college football. Washington State, uh, I mean, Shaw says that, you know, you, you, you'd be foolish to count out Washington State. Maybe I'm being foolish, but uh, I, I just don't see it. I just don't, I just don't see it. Terrible situation there with uh, Tyler Helensky. I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do and the facets, the mobili- the mo- from a mobility standpoint of what he could do in that offense, um, and just an absolute tragic situation up there uh, in, in Pullman. But I also think uh, a, a big loss for the Cougs is their old defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. Some people have tried to, you know, Stanford has struggled against Washington State over the past few years, and some people have tried to paint Stanford as having a Mike Leach problem. Uh-uh. They had an Alex Grinch problem. It was Washington State's defense that was giving Stanford fits. Alex Grinch now at Ohio State on their defensive staff. Been an interesting couple weeks in Columbus, no? But with the, the quarterback situation, and maybe the, maybe the new quarterback does throw for 5,000-plus yards. Who knows? I, I just don't know that they're going to be able to get after it defensively as they have the past few years. Having Peyton Pillar back will help their great linebacker. I, I just don't know. I think they're really going to struggle this year. Pac-12 South, to me, I think I, I think it divides up pretty evenly into two tiers, into two different columns. The top tier, USC, Arizona, Utah. It would not surprise me to see any one of those three teams win the South. The more I think about it, the more I might be leaning towards Utah or Arizona get more questions about USC the more I think about them. And in the bottom tier in the Pac-12, Arizona State, UCLA, Colorado. It would not surprise me to see those three teams finish in any order in the bottom three of the Pac-12 South. So while the South is wide open, I, I still think there's a pretty clear gap in between the top three teams and the bottom three teams. David Shaw's bullish on Kip Kelly uh, uh, on uh, Chip Kelly and and he should be. He should be. But we'll see. We'll see how it all turns out. I can't wait. Love pac 12 football. Starts Thursday night with uh Utah, continues Friday night with Stanford and then everyone gets into the mix on Saturday. Gonna be fun. One thing I I do want to get into here. This is the Treecast with Troy Clarity by the way. Thanks for checking us out. Um Bryce Love, and the fantastic season that he had last year, all eyes are going to be on him, rightfully so. Came back for his, for his senior year, surprised a lot of folks. And the reasons why he came back perplexed some folks. <laughs> but you know what? I, I'm not going to fault the kid for actually wanting to have dreams outside of football as well and wanting to accomplish it all. Thank goodness he goes to a school where that's possible, where he can have it all, where that actually is achievable and possible and where it's actually encouraged to try to be your very best at both. Kudos to Bryce Love for that. Love the odds-on favorite to win the Heisman Trophy this year. I think there is another Pac-12 player with better odds of winning the Heisman than Bryce. Look down in Tucson. That quarterback down there, Khalil Tate, oh, my, God. And Kevin Sumlin knows what to do with quarterbacks who play that style. He did coach Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M. There is that. (laughs) I mean, say what you want about that kid. He was a terrific college football player. Khalil Tate the same way. Not off the field. I mean, he's by all accounts a much better, much better human being off the field than than, than Manzel was. But I I don't think I've seen things like that. What Khalil Tate was doing when he hit his stride, literally and figuratively. I don't think I've seen a quarterback do anything like that in the Pac-12, maybe ever, maybe ever. And I think he has a better shot of winning the Heisman coming into the season than Bryce Love does because that offense will unquestionably go through Tate down in Tucson. Everything will go through Khalil Tate down there. He's going to be the one tasked to be able to to be able to to rack up the big yards, passing and receiving or passing and uh, and, and rushing. Maybe receiving too, I don't know. <laughs> but he's going to be the one around the entire around which the entire Arizona Wildcats offense revolves. And he's going to be the one that racks up all the numbers. As good as Bryce Love is, and as critical as Bryce Love is to the fortunes of Stanford football this year, there are so many other weapons for Stanford. We talked about this. Our Sega Whiteside, Weddington, Trent Irwin, uh, Cameron Scarlett's no slouch. Uh, Trevor Spates, uh, can Dorian Maddox, can those two guys Uh, take it to the next level when they get opportunities this year, and they will. Bryce Love gets top billing, and rightfully so, but I think there are more things around him. Oh, by the way, the quarterback, K.J. Costello, might actually put up some pretty good numbers as a result of the weapons on this field. But more of the Arizona offense runs through Khalil Tate than the Stanford offense runs through Bryce Love. Plus, Tate's a quarterback. You know how it works. Quarterbacks get all the credit and all the blame, too. That's just how it works. They also get all the fame. And quarterback performances get get weighed uh, a bit bit more. They They get a bit more weight and a bit more cachet than their running back performances generally do. Wouldn't surprise me to see Bryce Love in the room again in New York this upcoming December. Would love to see him actually win it. But if you ask me right now as I speak, I think Khalil Tate has a better shot of winning the Heisman this year from the Pac-12. I do. You can at me if you want to. I'm on Twitter, at Troy Clarity. Last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. At Troy Clarity. Hashtag TreeCast, by the way, is the best way for me to see your thoughts on the show. Hashtag TreeCast. Always love to get your thoughts and your input. Uh, on the program. If you have thoughts on anything that we've talked about so far um, in this show, I certainly, certainly welcome them. Always, at all times. So what's fair to expect for Stanford football this year? I think offensively they could be quite good. I think defensively we'll know more as we go along. I'm not sure how much of the secondary we're going, how many answers we're going to get in the secondary. Uh, We're going to see uh, this week against San Diego State, particularly with Holder and Simmons and Antoine out, not exactly sure how many answers we're going to get there, uh, but they're going to they're going to need to be the strength and perform at a much better level this year than they did last year. A lot of hype surrounded the secondary last year entering the season, and I don't quite think they match that hype. They're going to need to perform at a better level this year, especially with everyone focused on um, on the defensive line, trying to replace Harrison Phillips, and the seeming lack of, of, of well, not seemingly, there's always a lack of depth on the defensive line. That's just, that just seems to be a fact of life for Stanford football these days. But the guys up front are going to have to step it up. The linebackers are going to have to step it up. They've certainly got the numbers there. Love Bobby Okereke. Ooh, boy, did the light come on for him last year. But, Stanford, I think, is is poised to have another fantastic season. Another fantastic season. And I can't wait to take you through it. I can't wait for all of us to go through it together. Begins Friday night at Stanford Stadium, 6 p.m. kickoff between the Cardinal and the Aztecs of San Diego State. I will be doing my usual. I'll be roaming the locker room and bringing you some interviews, and we will do that on the next edition of the TreeCast. And of course, we'll start to look ahead towards the Pac-12 opener. Yep. (laughs) I I wish this game was played later in the year, but we'll always take it when it happens. Stanford versus USC coming up next Saturday. We'll start to look at that next week. In the meantime, enjoy the game. Uh, Have fun. Don't drink and drive if you do. You're the dumbest person on the planet. And we will see you next time. On the TreeCast, thanks for checking us out on the show. I'm in Detroit Clarity. And TreeCast, thanks you for being a part of the show.
0: Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you.